Yo, Dean. What's up, Ativa? Man, listen, I got to get on the road once again because, you know, I got to fill that funnel and get on stage and get some more leads. But, man, while I'm gone, no one sells anything. So is it time for you to hire a salesman or a salesperson or what, man? Dude, I don't know. I've been thinking about that. And, you know, I'm also in this place where it's like, can I really trust somebody else to come in and do the sales? Really? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Well, this sounds like the perfect topic to discuss on this week's episode of The Growth Engineers. What do you think? Huh. You know, I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. Because, yo, you are listening to us. You're struggling with this too, aren't you? Y'all want to talk about this? You do? Dean, I think we got an episode, buddy. Let's do it, man. All right. <laughs> so, so, Dean, seriously, though, let's talk about this because this is a big thing. Okay. In order for a business to grow, the marketing team has to grow and the sales team has to grow. Right. And the efforts that they produce have to grow. And not only that, but they also go hand in hand because if marketing grows and produces a ton and there's no one to sell it, or if you grow the sales team and you got great salespeople and no leads coming in. And so as business owners, we, we're in this juxtaposition, the chicken and the egg. Yep. Well, there's one more component, right? What if you hire sales? You have good marketing and you're bringing clients in. You got to be able to deliver. You got to be able to deliver your services and scale the services side of the business too, right? There's all of these sometimes unintended consequences. So that's a component of the conversation, perhaps, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So here's the deal I'm just going to use me as a test case today. Totally. Because next week, I'm on the road for three weeks, three speaking engagements in three different cities around the country, talking to three sets of my ideal audiences in which I expect new leads coming in that are going to need to be nurtured and then be ready for sales conversations. But if I meet somebody next week and they're ready for a sales conversation four days later, I'm still on the road. (sighs) Is it time for me to bring in a salesperson? What does that look like? Yeah, uh, that's a great example. And I think it's a pretty common one with the people that we work with, right? The clients that we, you and I both work with, the owner, the founder, the CEO, they're the business in so many ways, right? Maybe they've started to bring in people to help deliver service, built some systems and processes around that. But the front end is all them. They're the CEO and sales team of one. That's what they yeah. are. And that's so common. So what I tend to think about in terms of, when and how is just to break down where are the bottlenecks in the process, Mm -hmm. right? So if we have a defined sales process, Mm -hmm. right, and it doesn't have to be this thousand-page document, right? It can be an outline of the kind of process we take our prospects through. And we have a little bit of a sales playbook, which is just a document that has some tools and templates and some, like, do this next kind of stuff, Then you've got something you can start to maybe delegate. You might be able to delegate some of the sales activities to a non-sales person. Okay, how does that work? 
that seems like giving the most important thing to the least experienced person. What is the biggest time suck for lots of salespeople and for us as owners and salespeople is follow-up. Absolutely. follow-up. We never want to be in chase mode in selling, but sometimes we find ourselves trying to get appointments booked and back and forth and basic info needs to be shared. That's not high risk or even expensive activities to do. You might have an amazing VA that can do that. You can set that person up with some FAQs to when that prospect asks the first couple of questions before they book the discovery meeting. Your VA has got that basic information. It's your voice. It's your message. It's your language. And they can share that. That's one way to remove a simple bottleneck in the process. And if you can identify a few of those, even proposal development, right? If you do any kind of custom proposal, you've got probably a template, but it's yeah. the SOW, that scope of work piece that takes time. What if you've got a way to get your notes from the call that you were on, the sales call you were on, to your VA, and they can then translate that into your template. They can get the proposal 90% done. That may save you an hour or two of work. Right. So right. you don't necessarily have to go right to hiring the high-ticket salesperson to grow your sales. Interesting. So, okay, so I get that. And so first, it sounds like we've got to document this process, at least to some degree. Right. And so now this documenting of the process, is this just like a bulleted list in a Google Doc? Is this a flow chart or a diagram? How do we vision that piece of it? Yeah. I like to use two tools. One is to diagram the process, even if it's just a PowerPoint with a couple of squares and some arrows. I don't care what it looks like. This is not about making it look good. It's making it illustrate the journey, the process. So we've got these stages, right? We've got discovery. We've got needs analysis. We've got whatever you go through. And then under each of those stages, then you have a list of tasks. And even better, if you can define a list of questions and then even FAQs, Certainly earlier in the process, right? The further you get into the process, the more complex and more custom it becomes. But break it down. Just break it down. Make it simple. If you sit down and go through this process, oftentimes you'll find that you ask the same things. You go through the same process each and every time. But it's baked into your brain. Right. And we need to get it onto paper. It's one way to engineer growth in your business is to document and define processes. Yeah, absolutely. So... Okay, so let's say we have it documented, we have it defined, and let's say we do have that great VA who can take some pieces off. But now let's get back to brass tacks. I do need a salesperson. Okay. I do need a salesperson. I need someone who can actually get on a Zoom call, take the prospect all the way through, get the proposal done, get it out, get the signature. Okay? Right. One of the things I hear a lot is... Yeah, we had a process and we brought in a salesperson and they just wanted to do it their way. And, you know, it just didn't work. Do you go out and look for someone who doesn't have a process, someone who doesn't know a process (laughs) or someone who has a process and you got to get them to do it your way? What's best? Yeah, I love that question. And I think that so many salespeople... Ad lib. 
They ad lib. They ad lib the process. They ad lib what they're going to say. But professional, modern, effective salespeople have a process. Now, for me as a business owner, how I sell is less important than getting the result. Mm. Right? So if I brought in a salesperson to try and replicate a lot of the stuff I do in selling, I would want them to follow my process so they understand how we go about doing what we do. Now, if they can then adapt it to be more effective, go for it, dude. Right? Because how you and I sell, how we communicate is very different. Different. Different, right? And where prospects come into our buyer's journey are different places for our businesses. So you have to have that process because if you don't have a repeatable process, you have no way to measure and adjust and continue to engineer that growth in your business. But unless I have less ownership around what's in the process as I do the results. Gotcha. So, So that's how I think about it. When I interview salespeople, this is a little pro tip for people. When you interview salespeople, Don't ask them about their successes. Don't ask them about their big wins and the accounts that they overcome. Ask them how they became successful. How do they grow consistent revenue and accounts? If they don't go back to process, if they don't describe the repeatable things that they figured out how to do that work, they're not a process-oriented person. Yeah, they're just getting lucky. We'll get lucky from time to time. So... That's how I think about it. And if you go through that process, right, then you can start to figure out what kind of person, what kind of salesperson you need. Do you need a qualifier? Do you need more of a closer? Do you need a nurturer? If you've got a long sales process, you need a nurturer, right, someone that can stick with it. If I'm ADD and I've got to get to the close and move on, I'm not a fit for your business. No. So – that brings me to two questions. And I hate to ask you two questions at once, but I'm going to. <laughs> and the first question is, you know, my reality is my close rate's pretty darn high. Okay? Should I expect a salesperson to be able to match me? Or is there going to be a drop-off? And to that end of what you were saying about Three different types of salespeople. Good grief, you just made it three times as complicated. Thanks, Dean. <laughs> How do I know which one do I need? And is there a time when I need more than one of them? All good fault-provoking questions, my friend. So let's break it down. Yeah. Can I expect a salesperson to come in and perform like you as the owner, founder, an expert? No, obviously not. But do we need them to perform? at your rate and your level? Absolutely not. So I work with clients that are in highly regulated industries, for example, attorneys, Mm -hmm. CPAs, financial planners. If you're not certified, you cannot close the deal. You're not legally allowed to, right? And so the business developer in a accounting firm it's very different to the business developer or the salesperson in your firm. They can close a deal, right? Right. So you got to understand the role. Because if even with all of that being said, if I could bring a TIBA in for that 30-minute call to wrap up a deal, 
to increase my close rate, I'm going to use Ativa all day long. And I'm sure you would be happy to use that 30 minutes to close the deal versus the three or four, five, six hours it would have taken you to manage the deal. Right. So high level, no, I would not expect any salesperson to come in and meet or exceed your close rate, but they don't necessarily have to. And sometimes you're going to find that unicorn that can. And that's awesome. Yeah, and you're paying well. I would take a slightly lower close rate and double my volume all day long. I'm net 90% ahead of where I would have been. No question. Okay, great. So the second part of that question is, which one do I need? How do I determine it? Yeah. Well, I think it, it, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, breaking down like where are the bottlenecks in the process? Where can you plug? That's all right. That's a short term kind of fix. But longer term, it's really understanding what kind of relationship and velocity is required to close deals. So relationship, I mentioned this a minute ago, is it a longer term, longer sales cycle? You mentioned in one of our prior episodes that you had a guy show up on a call with a credit card ready to buy. Yeah. Love it. They may not happen every week, but when <laughs> they do, we just, you know, we qualify and make sure of fit and we get them done. Those yeah. are the, probably the outlier. Usually they need some nurturing, some education, some back and forth. That's a different salesperson to the order taker that's taking inbound leads from your website and taking credit cards. Yeah. So if you have your process laid out and you understand the relationship we have to create with our prospect, that will help. And then again, velocity is a big part of it too, which is that speed, right? And it's the speed that the prospect expects, not the speed that you want to move. Yeah, because you can get misalignment there, right? You can have a high-velocity rep that creates tons of friction with your typical buyer because they're just they're a little more methodical. Right, right. And so you got to get that push people out of the funnel doing that. That's great. So you would say the best place to start is to document the process first, right? Yep. Once you've documented the process, then maybe you see some of those bottlenecks that you can alleviate. But then it sounds like the next piece of this is to really figure out that relationship and velocity. Yeah, which really translates to skills and experience it's you're starting to build your job description is really what you're doing Mm -hmm. right do we need an outbound caller is that one of the things we have to do maybe not do we have to have someone that's really good at doing discovery and digging in that's part of the job description that's part of the requirements of the position the experience of the person and that's going to help you frame up the kind of role that you need to fill yeah yeah I'm going to give a quick story of a client right now and how the relationship and velocity came into a factor. Okay. So we do their marketing and we're generating lots of great leads for them. Okay. But they were having a problem. And the problem was getting the leads on the phone. Now we've proven once they get the leads on the phone, they're all great. Like they're, you know, yeah. 90% great leads, which is unheard of. So it's awesome. They're super happy with that, but they couldn't get them on the phone. Right. And so it was like, okay, so how do we solve this problem? And we looked at velocity and relationship. 
But here's how we looked at velocity and relationship. What we did was we suggested to them that they hire someone that at the moment that the lead happens. And so in this case, their lead is downloading a lead magnet, right? The moment that lead happens, then they have someone who's calling within 30 seconds. Speed to lead. Okay. Yep. Now, what that has done is now the prospect is feeling like, oh, wow, what a great relationship. And I'm now willing to set the time for that next conversation so you no longer have to chase me. Yep. Okay. Now, and that's his only job. His only job is to say, hey, we would like to have another conversation with you. When's a good time? Not right now. When's a good time? Set an appointment. So that role is often called a BDR or an SDR, right? Business development rep or a sales development rep. And those folks tend to be a lower paid, right? They're usually earlier in their sales career, full of energy and excitement, haven't been beaten down yet, right? And they're on the phone. They're talking to Lisa. Those are really high value sales role because what it's doing is it's filling the calendar of your experienced expensive rep. Exactly that's going to get deals done. And they're not in the chase mode like we talked about earlier. It's a perfect example. And the beautiful thing about a BDR or an SDR is you don't have to hire them. There are plenty of agencies and firms and companies out there. That's what they do. And that person will look, sound, and speak just like your company. They have your email address. They have your phone. It feels like they are part of your company to the outside world. But you're only paying them for the appointments that they set not sitting around waiting for phone to ring. Right. So it's a really economical way to do it. It is. And it works great. I can tell you with this particular client, what it did for them is they had a year and a half of revenue that looked like this. Since they made this change three months ago, revenue has looked like this. Yeah. I would take consistent, stable revenue over up one month, down one month, any day of the week. Yeah, the old revenue roller coaster is, makes it tough to grow the business for sure. Yeah, we've used that kind of role with clients, whether they're doing outbound, right? They can also be doing outbound too, or they're responding to inbound. Either way, it's that speed that makes the difference. So I love that. And yeah. that helps define, are you ready to hire? Like an FTE, a full-time employee? Or do you want to use an outside service That's to fill true. that sales role? Yeah, So you clearly know a ton about this and helped a ton of people about this. And so I'm sure people who are listening to us, they've got some more questions. They may even need your help. So Dean, how can they reach you? What resources do you have for them that they can consume and reach you with? LinkedIn is the best place, right? I put a ton of content out around all of these types of topics on LinkedIn. As you can tell, there's no one size fits all response to, do I need to hire a salesperson? So just reach out to me on LinkedIn, ask me questions. I'm happy to chat and give you some direction. There's a lot that goes into this process and we've really just scratched the surface. I mean, compensation, right? How do we pay our people in a way that motivates them to do the things we want. There's a whole lot of stuff going on there. So reach out, ask questions. I'm happy to chat. Fantastic. Hey, everybody. This has been another episode of The Growth Engineers. He's Dean. I'm Atiba. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.